Thank you for joining us here at C3 Edinburgh. We are all about authentic community, unlocked creativity, and the naturally supernatural life in Jesus' name. We are praying that this message will bless you and meet you right where you're at today. For more information about C3 Edinburgh, check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com. Parable is what we're preaching about. Um, the parable we talked about last week. Uh, it's a story with a meaning. It's a story with a. It's a story with. It's a story that's. It's around a truth. Um, here's a pre-devotion. Here's a pre-devotion before the actual message, because I thought that would be nice. Here's a pre-devotion about a parable. Matthew thirteen thirty-four to thirty-five. You can grab it, get your notes, get your whatever. It's on the screen as well. It says, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these. I'm not going to tell you that these. You can read Matthew 13 and 12 and find out what I'm talking about. But Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This, was fulfilled, what, this fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet, which said, I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Who he's a thinker, who he's a philosopher, who he's a, who he's not satisfied with um, blanket statements, but wants to get to the truth of things. There is, there is, there is things hidden in these parables since the creation of the world. So let's listen. There's another one, Matthew 13, a bit further on, Matthew 13, oh, up, I should say, Matthew 13, 10 to 16, Jesus said this, he said, oh, well, his disciples came to him, and they asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? I mean, if you have all the truth, if you have all the stuff, I'd imagine they're saying, why don't you just say it? He replied, "Um, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, Again, we're talking about things hidden. We're talking about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, you are, you are un- permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Now, when I read that, I go, hey, well, that's not fair because God isn't an elitist. He, doesn't, he has no favorite. So why, why are some people permitted and some people not? Let's unpack that really quick because we need to know if we're going to discover and talk about parables. I want to tell you that it's not an elitist statement. It's not a have and have not statement. He's about to unpack the prerequisite for the secrets, the hidden things since the creation of the world. Here's a prerequisite to getting it, to really getting it. He says this. He says, to those who listen, to those who listen, if you've got your Bible and paper version, underline it. Listen. If you've got it in whatever, uh, highlighted on your app or whatever, but listen to my teaching. For those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, for those who aren't even listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Why does he use parables? He's about to say, this is why I use parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really understand or listen. And this is, fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you hear what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of the people are hardened, and their ears can't hear. 
and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes can't see, and their ears can't hear, and their hearts can't understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. I love that. It destroys the haves and have-nots because God, His intention is to heal. He let me. Will you let me? Will you let me show you? Will you let me talk to you? Will you let me give you the secrets? Will you let me uh, show you hidden things? Will you let me transform your world? Will you let me? There's a generation who won't. But blessed are your eyes, he says to his apostles, and blessed are your eyes to the people here this morning because they see and your ears because they hear. These parables aren't their stories. They are the hidden things. They are the secrets. They are incredible. They are pregnant with truth. Jesus said a time and time again, are you listening? Really listening? Count them. You read the Gospels and count when he says, stops everything, and he says, I just told you a story. Are you listening? Are you really listening? Or in other versions, it says, he who has ears, let him hear. Let him hear what I'm saying. Most people in that crowd actually had physical ears, so he's not... He's not talking to the two people who are asking to get prayed for because their ears are gone. He's, he's actually saying, he's saying, are you really listening to what I'm saying? Let's be resolved to never be the hard-hearted ones. Okay? Let's be resolved never to be the, the ones who don't hear, the ones who have preconceived notions because of our own cultural sensitivities about what that must mean. Let's have ears to hear this morning. Let's have hearts to see. That is the food for your spirit and nothing else will satisfy you. Amen? That's just the, um, that's, that's the pre-devotion before we get into the parable this is week two. Sounded like a little song before beginning, didn't it? Doo -doo -doo -doo. Here we go. Matthew 13, 44 to 46. This is this week's parable. I'm loving Matthew 13, clearly. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, and he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. I'm going to love preaching this. Let me tell you some stories. I don't need this right now. I'm going to tell you some stories. Some of them are a bit confronting. In the 1970s in um, communist China, there's lots of stories that come out from um, hidden churches and underground churches. And one of them um, I read about tells a story of uh, the authorities who... Uh, stumble upon or find or whatever, they find a particular underground church and they raid it one day. They go down there, there's a couple of dozen people, um, they grab them, they put them in the truck, they put them in a bus, they put them in whatever and they drive off. But they don't go to the prison and they don't go to the whatever, they keep driving to the out of town. 
and I'm still, I'm not sure whether I should do this one first because this one's very confronting. They get them off the bus and they tell them all, they order them all to lie down, head to foot, 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 and so on. People didn't know what they were doing until the steamroller started over there. And what they did is the authorities got the steamroller, or whoever it was, they turned the engine on and they said, deny Christ, anybody, and nobody did. Nobody did. Not even once. There was a there's a there's a rugby one of the one of the top rugby guys. This is another story. One of the top rugby players on the planet, Israel Folau. he recently put something out on social media and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating for his tone or his style or anything like that. Like, if people will make of his style what is, as tone what he will. But the thing that caught me about, about, about the incident, and maybe you know about it, it's, it's he um, put up a, uh, a meme, a photo of, of all these people, a scripture, not beautifully in context, you know, of, of all the people who won't inherit the kingdom of God. Um, and and um, and the media came up against him. The rugby international group came against him. Everybody came against him. Um, and this is one of the top players in rugby's history, with an um, uh, international following, with uh, you know a career yet to go, with um, with with money and sponsorships and all of the things. And for this one. Well, there was a couple of issues, you know, with a couple of other things. But, but with, his, with his one thing, he wouldn't... They said, deny it, break it down, repent. Um, and he said, I can't repent what I know where to God to be. For what, he's lost it all. He, um, he's been fired. And he said, I don't care. I'm okay with that. He's lost his li- people who sponsor him. So he's lost his income. He's lost his international standing. He can't play the game that he loves. But he did it all because there was something going on inside of him. Something in his heart. Here's another story. It's probably just going to be a bunch of stories for a while, if that's okay. And I'm deliberately not trying to compare the stories one with another. I'm just giving you a bunch. In 2001, there's a story in North Korea. Um, And a young man in his late adolescence is walking home with his friend. And... um, they're walking along and a uh, car pulls up and out come some authorities, of, um, people from the secret police, and they grab his friend and they put him down on the ground on his knees and they, and they take out a gun and they say, we know that you're going to another secret church. We know that you're uh, a Christian. Um, uh, and this, he, this, this young man who was standing, he had no idea. He didn't know anything about this. He said, what? And he said, the thing that got him, the thing, because he tells his story, he said, the thing that got him is my friend was a regular guy, but when they did this and they put this gun to his head, his face changed. He wasn't scared. 
There was something in his eyes. And the secret police shot him in his head as he stood and then got back in the car and they drove on. The, the young man was shaken. He was, he was shaken and he shook and he wept as he went into his home and he, his mum said, what's wrong? And he said, my, 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 um, my friend, he, this thing, and she unlaid this, he unlaid this story to her. She wept, wept as well and then she said, I need to tell you something. I know why he wasn't scared. I know why he didn't have that, he had that look in his eyes. It's because he knew Jesus. And, and, and he said, what do you mean Jesus? And she said, I, I haven't been able to tell anybody this. I haven't been able to tell my, my husband. I haven't been able to tell my kids because of the state of stuff, but I'm a Christian too. And he said, what do you mean? And she gave him the gospel. She, she told him about it. And, and by the end of the conversation, his tears had gone from mourning to joy as he said yes to Jesus in his heart. And then as they were crying together, the brothers, two, his two brothers came home. They said, what are you crying about? And so the mum shared it with them. And all four of them now, by the end of that day, were following Jesus. That young man, we know this story because he, wasn't, he needed to know more. He wanted to understand the truth of God all the more. So he was attending an underground church. He, needed the, he wanted the Bible. He wanted the Word of God. He heard about it. He wanted it in Korean. That's what he read. And so he uh, risked life to get into China. He got to China and found an underground church and asked for the Bible, but please in Korean. And they only had this, you know, one little tiny micro book that you could use and hide. Um, and he said, I need more than that. I need to tell everybody in my community. I need to tell everybody about this. So they arranged to get up to, I think it was 5,000 Bibles to him. And he was coming back over and smuggling it in for some time. Um, and he told his story all the time. It was just his friend with that look in his eyes. It wasn't scared with the gun to his head. The story ends with a question mark because um, that was some years ago and he hasn't been heard of. He hasn't come back across in some time. Some of those don't make too much sense to us. We're, we're in the UK. We're in the, so let me share something from my own world. Um, I, it's the last story. I, um, I've had a, several, what I would call, sort of, fork in the road parts of my life. Since, even since saying yes to Jesus. Even since then. I, I, made, I said yes to Jesus and I started following him for real when I was about, what, 15, 16? And um, I remember when I was 18 and again when I was 21 and, and several other sort of little micro-junctions, but significantly I remember a time where um, when I said yes to God and uh, I was quite enthusiastic about it, people. I'm a little bit enthusiastic about some things. So, so, so after a little while, I had this whole bunch of the boys, whole bunch of the crew, and we're all coming to church and we're all loving God. It was awesome. Um, but then one by one, they, um, they started getting sort of pick, picking up on other things in life. Uh, you know, a couple of them um, got into a cool party scene. Some of them got into, uh, got some awesome jobs as a 19-year-old that pays a lot and so they're up and about and they've got brand new cars. Some of them are getting all of these kinds of things. One of my friends said to me, he was a groomsman at my wedding, he came up to me one time and he said, Nathan, would you, you seem really, would you, would you like suffer for Jesus? Would you like, would you like die? And I went, I hope I, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't want to, but I, I, I would hope so. I think so. I think so, yeah, I think so. 
I would. And my friend said to me, yeah, no, I don't think I would. I remember the party scene, I remember the lifestyle, I remember the push, I remember the pressure, and I remember this oh so clearly, right? I remember um, I was feeling a little left out. My mates seemed to have all this cool money stuff happening, all these cool job opportunities happening, these girlfriend stuff kind of happening, this party scene kind of happening. It was pre-Instagram because I'm that old, but, but, but if it was an Instagram timeline, you know, you would have seen all of the highlight reel just blinging and booming, and, and I'm um, missing out, and I'm feeling like, man, that's the thing. I could be doing all of the things. I could, I, could be, I could have this incredible... And then I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Jesus said to me, He said, well, what about you? What do you want to do? You've got, you got these opportunities. What about you? And I said, I don't... I wrestled for a minute before I just... I realized this nugget of truth that said, where else would I go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Oh, thank you. See, I painted that as my younger, younger man days, but I would put it to everybody in this place that it's not a younger man decision. The decision in, your, in the fork, in the paths of life are bigger. You think it's a young person's problem, but the doorways through your life, you need to grapple with your true north again and again. And if we're bringing it back to, and I eventually promise I will, to the, to the parable that we're talking about, the treasure of great worth and the pearl of great worth, it starts in all kinds of areas, and it's a question for you in all kinds of your areas. It's not a gun to your head. I hope in Jesus' name, but it's a decision you need to make. When, you're, when you start earning money, when you get a promotion, when the money starts flowing in, I've seen people get lost in what their treasure is. There's a crossroad experience. How do you manage your money? When, when you start pressing into your career and, and, and it starts to take off, one thing leads to another and it really starts to take off and all of a sudden people know your name and you're getting invited to conferences or you're getting invited to have an input into higher matters and you're sitting at the tables of all these great people who once you said, I'll never be like that, but then you are. When that day happens, you've got a crossroads. Who is your God? Where is your treasure? Is it your boss? Is it your stakeholders? Is it your customers? Or is it the Lord your God? Here's a personal one. Too close to home for some. What about your family? Family adds complexity and busyness and flat outness, and we've got a couple of children, and we get really, really busy, and 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 all of the things. But even over our family, where is our treasure? Who who is our treasure? Where do, where what's our number one? I want to put something to you that so often, if you're like me, it's easy to come to God when you're going through a really hard time. It's easy to remember the shining, glowing goodness of God when everything's turned to something brown. But that's not really a good measure of where your treasure is because that's a pretty clear one. A good measure of where your treasure is is when something else in your life starts to shine a bit. It's a, that's a good test of where your treasure is, where you found your treasure to be. And for me, here's for me, every crossroad 
from now on, I am convinced. I've talked about when I was 18, I've a couple of little junctures in my life. For me, I now know that every crossroad I'll ever face is predecided for me. That's just for me. For me and my family, we're going to praise the Lord. There is no question for me. Because of all the wealth and all the prestige that the world might offer me at one side, especially, and, and on the other side, the narrow road that Jesus talks about, the taking up of my cross daily, the troubled life that Jesus offers, still Jesus is the only way for me. Why? Because Jesus only has the words of eternal life. I found my treasure in him. John 6, 66 to 69. Or in fact, to paint six entirely, Jesus has a massive following. I love this story. I share it often just when I'm chatting to people. Jesus has this massive following. He has that success thing. You know, when people want big success, Jesus has got big success. He's got mobs following him, coming out to the wilderness. They're packed everywhere. Uh, he's, people are getting healed everywhere he goes. People are following him. He is... He is uh, world famous in the region of the world that he's in. People are, he's getting all the measuring marks of success. People are trying to crown him king for goodness sake. You know, and then he has this wonderful sermon one day, because we have these beautiful sermons of Jesus, we love them. And, and you, can, you could play them on the radio, you could play them on secular television, and the world would say, yeah, good. This one in John 6 is not one that people think are very, is very good. What he's about to say, what he'll say in, in John 6 is he kind of says, guys, 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 if you want to follow me, if you really want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself. In fact, if you really want to follow me, you've got to eat my body. You've got to drink my blood. Amen. Have a good week. And he, and, and he kind of walks off. He, he really does. And so all, all, the, all the people, the mob are like, Did, what do you just, because that's gross, what he just said. And we don't drink blood any, like we don't have any meat with blood in it because we're kosher and we're, we're Jewish. So what he said is, is not only, it's, it's uncle, but it's also, can, that's, is he going to break it down? And he didn't. And people said to him, people said, Jesus, that is some hard teaching. That's ridiculous. And it says there, many left, many leave, many leave. And lots of my mates in those early days, some left, some left, some left. Some people, when the riches of the world and all these kinds of pressures come, they'll leave, they'll leave, they'll leave. He turned to his disciples, the ones remaining, and he said this on verse 66. He said, at this, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked, well, are you going to leave? What are you guys going to do? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Easy to say, easy to say. But did they live it out? Let me tell you, they lived it out. Many of them did. Unfortunately, this is, there's Judas. And, but, but Peter and Paul, although again, Paul wasn't there quite at this moment, Peter and Paul, they lived it out. Where else would they go but eternal, but here's the words of eternal life? They, they were both martyred, they were both killed in Rome, around 66 AD, under the Emperor Nero's thing. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. Andrew, one of the other guys who said, where else would we go? Uh, uh, according to church tradition, he went to the land of the man-eaters. 
apparently. The Soviet Union, they now, that region. Uh, Christians there claim that he was the first to bring the gospel there. Uh, he preached in Turkey as well. He preached in Greece, and he was said to be crucified there. Thomas went to Syria. He preached as far as India, they think, and then he was pierced through the spears by false soldiers. Philip went to Carthage in North Africa. He, he converted the wife of the Roman proconsul there, uh, and the Roman proconsul didn't like that and killed him too. Matthew, the tax collector, he, was, he ministered in Persia and Ethiopia. Uh, some say he was martyred and killed. Some said he wasn't, but the, the, the church tradition suggests that he was stabbed to death in, while he was in Ethiopia. Bartholomew, um, I could go on the same. James, also. Simon the Zealot, uh, killed. Uh, Matthias, um, went to Syria with Andrew and was burnt. John, um, church tradition suggests that they tried, didn't really succeed, uh, and then sent him off to Patmos, this island in exile, where he had this incredible moment with God and wrote the book of Revelation while he was there. Who, where else would we go? So I've spent the morning this morning just telling stories we like to do different things. And this morning I thought, you know what would be good for us to hear? Is stories. <laughs> not quite parables. I, don't, I'm not, I haven't written parables behind them. I'm just telling you narratives and stories. But, sto- but, but, but the stories all reflect the parables. They reflect this, that this list of people have found a treasure in a field. They found a pearl of great worth. And here is the meaning of the parable. The kingdom of God, says Jesus in the book of Luke. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven isn't here or there. It isn't in a country. It isn't in a city. It isn't in a whatever. The kingdom of heaven is in your midst. The kingdom of heaven is inside of you, just as um, Peter said this morning. The kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Discovering the kingdom of heaven is the treasure in the field. Discovering the kingdom of heaven is the treasure in the field. The kingdom of heaven, the truth of Jesus Christ, is the pearl of great worth. When you truly encounter Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you immediately gain a fresh perspective that will leave everything else in its rightful place forever. Nothing else will truly satisfy you ever again. I can imagine a backstory of the merchant going from place to place and getting pearls all his life. Maybe he's a pearl salesman. That's why the pearl was so significant. He's going around buying pearls. He's going around opening oysters. He's going around doing these things, forever rating pearl against pearl until he sees the pearl of great worth. Once he sees the pearl of great worth, he realizes all the other pearls are insignificant in perspective. He sells it all for the one. The truth of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the pearl of great worth. And when you experience his love, like truthfully and authentically, and his presence, and, and, and the truth of him and who he is, when you experience these things, every other coping mechanism you've ever had, every coping mechanism, I've just made Jesus a coping mechanism, every coping mechanism you've ever had becomes artificial and just that. There's something about the inward, closer embrace of your Father when you experience the presence and the power of God, the gospel. There's something about His inward embrace of you that burns off your inadequacies and burns off your fears and adds the very things you've always felt you've been lacking because He gives you and completes you. I say it again, the Lord your God is all you need. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ and His kingdom 
is the treasure. I'm saying things in repetition. This is my sideline, by the way, behind the scenes of what I'm doing as I communicate, and I'm doing it deliberately. Because there are people here who have grown up in church, there are people here who know this, and every time I've said, Jesus is your treasure, you've said, yeah, I know. But you've got to know. Yeah, I know, isn't enough. Yeah, I know, is not the treasure of great worth. The Lord your God is all you need. Come on, Jesus Christ and his kingdom is the treasure. Let's stir that up. His word becomes priceless to you. His presence is like air to your lungs, the lungs of your spirit. Kim from North Korea wondered what was in the eyes of his friend as he got executed on that day. He had the treasure of great worth. What, what can I deny if he has the words of eternal life? Oppressive governments have long wondered what beguiling delusion Christians are under as they send them to the execution earth. These are the people who've discovered the pearl of great worth. There are voices today in the UK, in the life that you and I live, with, we don't have a, you know, that type of situation and we praise God for that for ourselves and pray for our brothers and sisters who don't yet have that. But we live amongst people and voices who consider everything we believe and every way that we live to be uh, blinded superstition, brainwashed even. Your friends, my friends, will goad us and goad you and wind you up for not jumping in and engaging with all of the things that are offered on the palette, on the buffet of, of, of options on this world. And here's the thing I find astounding but beautiful. Jesus doesn't try to compete. Isn't that lovely or interesting at least, that Jesus doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't sell it. He doesn't say, I know the world are offering you this, but I'll give you this and more, half price. In an over-advertised, saturated world, he's silent. He's not trying to sell. He, he, in fact, he says the opposite. He says, if you want to follow me, whoo, it's going to cost you. If, if you. if you want to really, if you really, really want to follow me, if you really want the words of eternal life, you, you, you're hoping for a nice, pothole-free, open motorway, and I'm giving you a really narrow, single lane when you're in a car in Edinburgh, cobblestone with potholes type of life. Anyone in, driving in Edinburgh? Come on. You know? He openly says there is trouble awaiting those who will follow him. But then he does say it'll be worth it in the end. What this parable explains is exactly what following Jesus is like. And this is where I want to wrap things up a little bit. If this truth of this parable, if, if, you, if you are here today and all love and, and, and if you're here today and you honestly, in your heart, without, without telling anybody else, if this, if the parable of the treasure, if the parable of the, the pearl of great worth is not experientially yours. It can be. It's what he offers. Because coming to church for friends, coming to church for the feels, coming to church for, for teaching, 
is a wonderful thing, yet I need to tell you and remind everybody that the depth of this place is the gathering of the people who are either seeking or have discovered the treasure of great worth. And here is a litmus test for us all. Does this parable resonate with you? Have you discovered the treasure? Maybe not. Maybe though you're in the morning, you're, this morning you're already stirred up because you know you're on the verge of it today. There's something happening in your spirit. <gasps> Maybe that's you. The treasure of great worth. I might need some, someone to, yeah, Jemima, that'd be great. The apostles, Kim in North Korea, the members of the underground Chinese church, many people persecuted around the place, people, people given a hard time even in this culture, in the crossroads of your own world, even this morning, understand that there is nothing worth more than Jesus. And when you do so, there is nothing that you'd ever trade. Jesus, you see, for those hungry in their spirit, Jesus is the sustenance. He calls it, he says it. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the living water. He says, I am the life and the resurrection. He says, I am the way for people seeking the way. I am the truth for people sick of the lies. I am the light for those who can't stand to live in the darkness anymore. Jesus is the only way out of the guilt and the shame that you feel because he died for you. I tell you, when you find the treasure, what you find is cleanness in your spirit. What you find is restoration of the way you were built and designed to be. What you find is joy in the presence of God. You find peace like nothing you've ever experienced before because you are made restored. And you only find that in Jesus. That is why He's the treasure. That is why. And if you can't directly relate to the experience, then love to you. Or maybe you remember the day you first believed. and I don't know. Other things got shiny in your life and you kind of and right now you're sitting here and you're stirred up because you're remembering, where did that go? Where did that go? I can't, I can't live in any other way. I can't accept any other treasure. I'll sell everything else for the one. That's what the kingdom of God is like. I'll sell everything else for the one. I want to invite you, if these are things to you, if, if you're responding and your heart is resounding to these words, I'm going to invite you this morning to experience and encounter treasure today.